Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome back to the Women's Podcast. I'm Roisin Ingle. The shops are open, the 50-somethings are getting vaccinated and there is something brighter in the air and I hope you are all feeling that optimism as you go foraging for hugs and haircuts and whatever you're having yourself. I got mine done, I'm delighted with myself I have to say. I went a bit blonder, I think people are going to go for some different kind of cuts and styles because, uh, you know, pushing the boat out and all that. So we're feeling very cheerful on the podcast and so we decided to talk about a film called Wild Mountain Time. Now it's a movie that provided a good bit of distraction during this last lockdown. When the trailer was released last November, it seemed as if all of Ireland was united in savaging the project. Donald Clark, writing in the Irish Times, I think on Twitter as well, He said, what in the name of holy bejesus and all the suffering saints is this benighted cow pat? Others called it worse than the famine. So now the film is out. We can actually get a look at it ourselves. It stars Jamie Dornan, Emily Blunt, Christopher Walken and John Hamm. And we decided to get cultural commentators Aaron McGathy and Jen Gannon to cast their eyes over it. Just a little bit of background. You should know that Wild Mountain Time is based on a play that was on on Broadway a number of years ago called Outside Mullingar. It's written by John Patrick Shanley, who is the writer behind the iconic share film Moonstruck. Fintan O'Toole, also of the Irish Times, reviewed the play at the time and he said, when plays are bad, their badness is usually easy to explain. Occasionally, though, there is a play whose woefulness demands a whole new theory. And he went on to call Outside Mullingar both mystifyingly awful and unfathomably bad. OK, so that's where you're starting from. Wild Mountain Time is a simple premise. Anthony, played by Jamie Dornan, and Rosemary, Emily Blunt, have grown up on adjoining farms but have yet to consummate or even acknowledge their affection for each other. Throughout the movie, beautiful and clearly head over heels, Rosemary Muldoon confesses to the audience that she's in love with Anthony. And it seems like the only logical conclusion for the two of them to get married and have adorable kids together and play in their shared green fields. But for some reason, they decide to just live in blissful, less than blissful, I suppose, ignorance apart. Anyway, there's all other shenanigans going on involving Anthony's father, who's played by Christopher Walken. Then there's the American cousin, John Hamm. John Hamm, he's probably the best thing in it. Anyway, I've said too much, I think. I really, (laughs) I think after this long lockdown and with a bit of hope in the air, this is a really entertaining, I hope, conversation about Wild Mountain Time with Aaron McGathy and Jen Gannon. Enjoy. Jen, I'm going to come to you first. Now, when this trailer hit, it was it was a great little uh, pandemic distraction, I have to say. It really was. Um, it was November, I think it was. I think we've been living with wild mountain time like the way we've been living with COVID. Like, it just, it's like endless. It just keeps on coming back and we're just like, oh God, this again. Uh, because it just never felt like it was going to come out. This trailer just dropped out of nowhere and it's like, 
Christopher Walken talking about like Irish stuff. Then you have like Emily Blunt saying, Emily Blunt being the most Maura Higgins I've ever, like I know she was looking at Love Island to try and perfect this accent. There's no way she wasn't. Um, and it's just the weirdest thing I've ever seen because first of all, we all, I think we all just thought it was about time travel because we were like, how come it's like very much an old fashioned Ireland that exists only in like sing plays? And then all of a sudden she's talking about freezing her eggs, like an, another minute of it. Of This is just the trailer. And we were just bowled over. It was one of those days that like just united Twitter and united social media in such an amazing way. And I remember somebody saying this is worse than the famine and... I think that was probably one of my favourite quotes. But like, you know, we love being annoyed. Like, I think as Irish people, we love being annoyed by stuff like this at the same time. And and it, you know, we're, we live on sarcasm. So I think it, it was just such a unifying thing. But it just came out of nowhere. And we were like, the guy who did Moonstruck is responsible for this. Like, and that made it even more upsetting because we were like, how come you could do this great like film about Italian-Americans, which, you know, does rely on a lot of stereotypes, but you can't seem to get that together for Ireland? It was just such a strange thing. And it was all about like squabbling farmers. Like, again, here, really? Like, it's like, this is definitely 19th century stuff. I just couldn't, I couldn't get my head around it. I was really like, is this going to be like Quantum Leap? I, I would be into it if I had been. <laughs> Um, but then we just all couldn't wait for it. And I think we were all like, oh my God, get the cinemas open so we can all just go into the cinema and scream at this film. Like, and I still, even after seeing it, I still want that to happen. Well, I think whatever else we're going to talk about today, that the joy that it brought and the unification, as you say on Twitter, it was worth it all for that, if nothing else. Erin, as our American in the house today, <laughs> what, what is your take? And did you, I love that idea of living with Wild Mountains in time, living with COVID. What did you feel when the trailer dropped, as they say? I still have to put dropped in inverted commas. Uh, I'm not able to say it without doing that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm right with Jen that I loved how it united Twitter and I mean as as an American living in Ireland and as an Irish American I definitely recognized it and still see it as this Irish American delusion so it was so it, like part of part of uh part of the piling on of it was like a little painful in that I feel responsible in some way or like culpable even though I'm not obviously but it's uh I mean, I, I I loved all the outpouring of creativity, making fun of it. And I mean, in the words, in a line that I think could be in this film, um, in Ireland, you know what they say when a man dies watching a film? <laughs> the film was shite. <laughs> I think it was a pretty accurate uh, Wild Mountain Time Aaron, accent. Your accent is actually better <laughs> than is. most of the people in Wild Mountain <laughs> You could do Bob Geldof in a Bob Geldof film. That was really good. <laughs> but like Jen is so right. Like the entire, I also thought, I had forgotten that I thought it was a time travel film. And that would have been so much better. You know, I, yeah. I, I don't know if we're getting straight into it, but the plot making no sense is almost like the least of its problems well let's let's go for it let's get into the nitty-gritty i'm just going to read out the first paragraph of the review in the guardian which which uh, wasn't as you can imagine very complimentary it was one out of five stars 
It says there's a sublime awfulness and condescension to this American vision of Ireland adapted by writer-director John Patrick Shanley from his Broadway stage hit. It was called Outside Mullingar, I think, yeah. A mind-boggling stew of bizarre paddywhackery that makes John Ford's The Quiet Man look like a documentary about crack dealers. Two of its stars, <laughs> Emily Blunt and Christopher Walken, both playing Irish people, engage in a colossal intergenerational battle for who can do the worst Irish accent. Blunt and Walken's Brogoff makes this the King Kong versus Godzilla event of inauthentic Irish voices. So, Jen, the other thing that's amazing about this film is that they managed to make Jamie Dornan, who I quite fancy, I'm not going to lie, look completely unappealing and unattractive. Like that's the special effects for that alone deserve some kind of award. (laughs) The thing about Jamie Dornan is he looks like he is about to break into the Huckle book at any moment. Like he has these massive sideburns. He has this weird hair, like grease back hair and trousers that go all the way past his belly button. Um, And I just was like, what are they doing to him? Like, I mean, I think, you know, John Patrick Shanley was saying, you know, oh my God, I wanted him for the lead immediately because he is Irish and he is a romantic lead. So like put those two together, it's amazing. And it's like, and this is what you do to him. Like he, for the whole first, you know, whatever, 10 minutes, just to say like, there is no time in Wild Mountain Time. It's just like it exists on its own <laughs> plane, astral plane. It could have plane. been called, um, Jen, Wild Mountain Time Travel. It should have been. That's the thing. Mm. It really should have been. But like he just... It's so odd to me that he's playing Father Dougal, basically. Um, and like, I, I can't understand. I mean, I suppose really from reading about the play, it was supposed to be two middle-aged people who were kind of re- social outcasts and were virgins meeting each other. And then with like the film, they had to get stars in and had to make it sex it up. So that's why there's kind of, I mean, not to defend it because it is dreadful, but that's why there's this kind of disconnect in the romance element of it because you're like, have these people seen themselves? They're gorgeous. Like, why would they feel like that about themselves? Or why would they have this weird, they they have like this sexuality that's like neutered, like 11-year-olds. So I don't really know, well, even younger, I don't even know if like that was thought about or if that was a part of it so you can't bill it as a romantic comedy because they don't have enough um interior feelings to even like you, you don't even think they're they know what their private parts are called like oh. the, that's the kind of <laughs> jen idiocy yeah, we're talking we about. On, tell everybody who hasn't seen it sort of what the i suppose i'm going to say, say plot but i use that word very loosely what the story is there with these two people and the two adjoining farms that they live on and all the rest of the job yeah so basically it's it's your typical irish scrapping over a piece of land wow what a metaphor <laughs> we've been here before and christopher walken he plays tony riley um and he is a, a very irascible farmer and he has a son, Anthony, who is Jamie Dornan. And then there's Rosemary Muldoon, who lives in the farm, in the adjoining farm. And she's Emily Blunt. And basically, her dad dies at the start of the film. A- loads of people die in this film as well. It's just deaths. Anyway, so basically, it's a, a row over. Tony wants to, doesn't want to leave the farm to Anthony, to Jamie Dornan, because he thinks he's an idiot. And, you know, he's 100% correct. Um, and then Rosemary Muldoon has this little adjoining in between part of the farm that's where she owns and it's like these gates between two gates she owns this patch of land and she won't sell up because Tony Riley wants to sell it to his American nephew played by John Hamm Um, and 
In the original play, John Hamm was off screen, let's just say, like he was off stage, um, the John Hamm character. So when he's in the film, it kind of feels like he's in another film, a better film, some other film. Where's that <laughs> film? I want to watch it. But um, so that's the basic plot. They, they're falling, they are kind of falling in love. I don't really know, are they? They kind of like each other. And uh, she basically, Emily Blunt wants to get together with Jamie Dornan, but he seems very reticent. Um, and if they got together, then they could you know, have the farm and live happily ever after. That's kind of it, but it's not at all. Yeah. Just in terms of other performances, when I was watching, there were some great performances by a couple of really lovely trees, which were actually less wooden than some of the the, um, people in it. And actually there's there's a really starring role, not just for John Hamm, but an actual Hamm, who also is less hammy than some of the, the writing. So I just, I, I made those observations and I thought I'd share them with you. Erin, um, any other observations from you about some standout moments perhaps from, from the film? Oh God. Well, I loved the, uh, the elongated Guinness advert that took place in the <laughs> latter half of the film where they, they're having their, their big climactic, like, oh, we're finally going to talk about things moment and as Jen was saying like Jen is not exaggerating if you haven't seen the film like it is so unclear how they feel what presence they've been in each other's lives over the over this course of time I don't know if either of you thought this but when when we first see them as adults um it felt like he was returning to the farm and like they hadn't spoken for years because she was asking him about this girl from their childhood. So when it was revealed that actually they've been around and as Jen was saying, they're both gorgeous. And not only are they both gorgeous, like Emily Blunt's costume. And I, I don't want to slight the hair and costume designer going to, I'm going to blame the director, but like, she looks gorgeous. She looks like she's wearing Vivian Westwood as styled in uh, anachronistic Irish field wear or whatever. And her hair is gorgeous. Her makeup is impeccable and it just doesn't make any, any sense at all any of it she's got not very much self-esteem and she doesn't know how to approach your man and she she can't get it together with this guy she's fancied since she was 11 and he only lives down the road like and also like I don't know why she found like they have this connection because he is an idiot like and I don't understand why she thinks that there's going to be anything between them because she she knows he's he's a known idiot like um I just don't get where the love (laughs) comes from at all where the fanciable element of it comes from there's no oh my God, I really want them to get together. It's just like, yeah, whatever. Go off, two idiots, I'm fine. You're grand. You know, it's just, it's so odd. It's so odd. There's no chemistry. There's no, and there's no, and there's no tension building. Like the biggest, in in the start of the film, Jamie Dornan's character, like learns from his father that he needs to get married or prove that he can get married in order to inherit the farm. And he's like, oh, I'll, propose with this ring like it it takes no it takes no pause and it's like well problem solved this is this is all fine now like when I when I was watching it like it's obviously I think I think like the the wide take on it is that it's this American-made delusion of what being Irish is and Irishness and I think that's true but I think even more true than that than that is that it is a an Irish delusion about or an Irish American delusion about being Irish American in that and I'm saying this as an Irish American that Irish Americans have have a propensity for 
seeing anything that's quirky about ourselves or our family or anything that feels slightly Irish and just immediately identifying it as Irish. And I don't think that John Patrick Stanley just was like, oh, I'm not going to actually research what Irishness is. I think it wasn't about that for him. I think it was about this mythology according to Irish Americans, which is even worse and even more embarrassing. Can we talk about uh, John Hamm? Because I do think John Hamm is very good <laughs> in this movie and I quite liked him in it. And I thought the chemistry between him mm. and Rosemary, played by Emily Blunt, was actually, there was something there. And actually, can I just also admit and confess to not hating this movie as much as I'm probably supposed to? I kind of started mm. to enjoy it halfway through. I sort of got went along with it for the ride. I found it kind of a bit surreal and funny. Like, I do think there's a whimsy and a kind of bizarreness that's very much... Um, not to yeah it's deliberate there's a sense that there's a knowingness a little bit about the playing up but I understand everything you said so far but I'm going to just stick up for it a tiny bit with that but there is an amazing part where Rosemary plays by Emily Blunt goes to see John Hamm in New York for a day like (laughs) he gets on an Aer Lingus flight and she goes to New York for a day but can I also say because like they're so like boggled their mind is boggled by anything like it's a land it's an Ireland where the internet never happened I was fully expecting when they showed the shot of the plane and Emily Blunt going on the plane that she was going to be like oh a metal tube in the sky what's going to happen to me at all but I have to say like my favorite bit of the whole thing was when she kisses John Hamm and she's going home going, oh God, oh God, oh, oh my God, oh God, for about five minutes. Like, and you see her traveling, you know, between New York and Ireland, just repeating, oh my God. And I was thinking, I, you probably would feel like that if you kissed John Hamm. Like, you Definitely. wouldn't be just going, oh That was very realistic. I kissed John <laughs> Hamm, like. So, yeah, I could kind of, I was on board Oh with my that. God. Definitely on oh board. Oh my God, she kissed <laughs> But like when John Hamm came in, he kind of broke the spell a bit, which, which was amazing because first of all, it was like he, he was like a normal person because these people go around like they've all had head injuries. That's the way they speak. Like it's, it's insane. So when he came in and was just normal, I was like, oh, thank God, this is going to move into a different realm. And then when he said something about the Lion King and she knew what the Lion King was, I was like, this is great. We're getting somewhere. Like this is things, tangible things you can hold on to that we all know about. So yeah, it's just, he was the best thing in it and I wanted to see well apart from Christopher Walken talking about Ham Christopher Walken has a monologue about Ham that I've always wanted to see in my in my entire life I mean it's worth it just for him talking about yeah, Ham but- I agree with you Dan. I have to say about Christopher Walken like his accent is terrible okay he's the narrator he's the sort of dead person come back to life as the narrator and his accent is awful but I thought he was very good I liked him in it too like he, you know he's an incredible actor yeah. and he acts very well it's just the, what's coming out of his mouth is just sounding so strange but um, he he's kind of a highlight and also I think um, Rosemary's uh, mother I liked her too I thought she was quite well she's she's obviously Irish I don't actually know who plays Rosemary's mother but yeah Dervla Malloy yeah, so she was she was great. Yeah, so there is a bit with her, one scene where she leaves the house, and you know the way Irish people on the phone can't say goodbye. We're always like bye, bye. So see you now, bye, <laughs> bye, bye. That happens on the phone, but then this woman is walking like, out. Of, your man Patrick Shanley has obviously got a bit mixed up because she's walking out of the house going bye. Bye, 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 bye. And it's just like, what the hell is happening? Oh, yes. Yeah. 
There's so many moments like that, though. Like, even at the very beginning when Christopher Walken goes, I'm dead. It's like he sounds surprised, but also kind of relieved that he doesn't have to take part in this farce anymore. Like, there's so many bits like that that I just, like, there's so many quotes. Like, I just had to, I kept on writing down what is happening. That's all with a big question mark because I had no idea. Why does Emily Blunt have a filthy face? Why do they talk like they have never heard the English language before? And they have just this bizarre way of talking where they speak in riddles. And it takes you like a while to get to grips of what they're actually saying. And then I looked up an interview with like John Patrick uh, Shandy and he said, the language of Ireland is akin to the soil of Ireland. And I was like, does that soil have gas leaking out of it? Because it's like, this whole film is like a gas leak. Like it's insane. So I just, I don't and know. This is, I mean, I was, I was like you, Jen, as well, writing things down. I thought it was really funny. Like some points they just can't be bothered um, you know, using the Irish words that you'd use because it would be too much to tra- translate for the American audience. So at one point she talks about a parking lot. And like, yeah. who in Ireland has a parking lot? And then another time she says, they keep saying to each other, see you at church. And no one says that. They say, see you at mass. But to say mass, people wouldn't understand. Like there's such, there's bits like that that you're just going, ah, come on, guys. Like you can't even use the words that we would use, you know? So there's a bit of a laziness there as well. Um, Anything else you wrote down there, Jen, that we should... um. I mean, there is one uh, sent like there's one conversation between Emily Blunt and Jamie Dornan where they mention stew, turf, and heather. It was like cliche bingo. Like it, it was just it's baffling to me. And then saying we're we're an indirect people. I mean, it's just there's so much in it that I was like, where is this all like coming from? I mean, I don't know. It's, it felt just like no one had ever been out in the world. And then when that. Lion King line landed. I was like, so obviously they have been out in the world, but I just, I just don't understand it. Like, and you know, we're walking. Like, there's a really weird bit where John Hamm just follows Jamie Dornan into a field and just keeps shouting questions at him, which is like a, a scene from Father Ted. It's the closest. I was like, it's baffling, and I'm like, is this supposed to be as funny as it is, but unintentionally? Like, it's just that's what I, I'm, I can't get a handle on the vibe of this film because a lot it, of questions. Yeah, lot it's of not like you know, beyond the Valley of the Dolls, where it's like campy, bad but enjoyable. There's sometimes it's not. I don't think they're aware of the inherent camp value of it, which makes it even more camp. There's two scenes with rain where it literally looks like somebody's just pouring a bucket from the sky on top of people. I, I mean, yeah, it's like that. weather. Yeah, exactly. And Erin, um, do you think this is going to stand the test of time? I mean, the last time I had you two on talking about a film, I think it was about leap year, right? Um, yes. is it, where does it stand in the leap year sort of um, pantheon? Because I, th- I'm quite fond of leap year as well, because I think I just like these kind of, they're so bad, they're good things, you know. And I, I kind of think it might stand the test of time more than Leap Year in a way, because it's so weird. It is so weird. Well, I like I, I, I feel the same way that like it wasn't as bad as I thought and it wasn't bad in the way that I thought it would be. Like the last 20 minutes of the film, I really enjoyed and it made me feel like, oh, have I been watching this all the wrong way? And I oh, think that's what I felt like. That's what I mean about the yeah. whimsy and the kind of surreal nature of it. Yeah, that's good. I'm glad yeah. you said the same. Yeah, like I, I loved, I loved the reveal at the end. I love like the the magic realism of it, and it's not, as Jen said, like it's not a rom com, and the music is so over the top. And I think like if you actually watched it without the score, you this swelling score that happens as two people make toast, where you're like, how am I meant to feel about this? 
Uh, I also have to mention that terrible glass tasting like teeth thing which makes no sense teeth are in your so in the in the film the the mother the was it the past mother doesn't like drinking out of glasses because it tastes like teeth teeth are in your mouth you are tasting your teeth all the time but also Erin about teeth do you know when Rosemary goes to New York she says the buildings are like teeth so obviously John Patrick <laughs> Shanley has something about teeth as well which is interesting Erin what do you think like that we, we should talk about the reveal in a way. I mean, I don't think we can, I don't think we have to worry about spoilers <laughs> here. But like your yeah. man, Jamie Dornan, who looks slightly better looking at the very end of the film because they did something different with his hair. They turn, they do a little mm-hmm. tiny makeover on him. He reveals that he thinks he's a honeybee. I mean, I, even <laughs> as I say it out loud, I'm like, I know what he's talking he reveals that he can't marry her or fancy anyone because he actually thinks he's a bee. She sort of thinks she's a swan. So in a way, they're made for each other. But it's a bit weird, isn't it? It is weird. But I, <laughs> but but the fact that that was in there means that like there was a potential for this actually being kind of a weird, interesting, magic, realist, fun, almost Irish-seeming story, you know? <laughs> Yeah. And what, do you, what do you think about that? About the whole kind of um, I loved it. That was my favorite part of the whole film because my God, <laughs> that came out of left field, you guys. I'm a bee. Yes. Like seriously, like you've seen so many films where it's like I'm actually your brother. I'm a serial killer, but no one <laughs> on their bingo card had I'm a bee, and I love it. And I love. <laughs> The weird, weird ending where they're all sitting in the pub and everybody who has been in it that's been alive and dead and them as children are watching them sing. And I'm like, I love that. Is is this like a purgatory thing? Is this like lost? And they're actually in purgatory and that's, they're all dead. Like this earth. Like what I really wanted to happen and I really wanted this to happen. I messaged my friend last night because she'd already seen it. And I said, I just wanted them to all turn into bees at the end of it. It would have been amazing. (laughs) Why didn't they do that? You pull out and it's actually a hive. Like on that tree that we've seen the whole time. Basically what we're saying is they should have gone bigger on the magic realism like throughout. Talking about this in a very different way. There's elements of it though. I agree with you. I think that honeybee thing, it sort of, it filled me with warm feelings. And I love that ending where you're looking out and seeing all the people who are in the whole film. Like basically the cast of the film are gathered to hear Emily Blunt and Jamie Dornan do karaoke to Wild Mountain Pine. And they both look <laughs> lovely. And everyone's like, it's like everyone's in the audience is just delighted to be there. Like I felt very warm towards yeah. the film at that ending. Do you yeah, agree? <laughs> warm yeah. and strange. Like I felt like for the whole thing, I was like, if you watch this and you had, you know, an edible or something, you would literally have to <laughs> ring an ambulance immediately. Like, because it's, just, it's the closest thing you could ever watch. That I know people say, oh, it's like blah, blah, blah on acid. But really, true as God, true as God, this film is like <laughs> the closest thing to having some kind of drug induced psychosis like I've that I've ever seen yeah. and that's kind of why that's where the enjoyment comes out of it I think and I think people well, I will think watch it again and again we're recommending it in a way I feel here we are recommending it so. we are saying and I'm actually I'm going to say this I, I think I have to watch it again now that I know about the honeybee I want to watch it again to see there probably was a bit more subtle honeybee action that we missed because we didn't know about the honeybee. So I'm going to watch it again. And, you know, just I think you have to surrender to this movie. You have to surrender into it. You've kind of go, yep, it's an Irish American kind of, you know, whatever, all that stuff is true. But like, sure. 
living with living with wild mountain time though yeah living with covid and living with wild mountain time so out of 10 what are you going to give it uh erin uh on on which scale on (laughs) on watchability i think it is a a must-see i'd say a nine production i'd give it a a four (laughs) but uh not production value but just like the way it was executed i'd give it a four but it's very watchable and everyone should watch it and and you do have to relax your brain with the accents and all of that it's okay jen what about you i'd give it like a potato out of 10 because nothing is on the scale of sensible there's no, like it's not sensible so you might as well just say yeah fine I'll give it like 10 donuts out of whatever a stew because like nothing makes any sense once you've seen this film it's like you've gone past any kind of reasonable behavior mental behavior which is why it's perfect for these times like for the pandemic because it kind of just echoes the the slow ebbing away of people's sensibilities that has happened over the past year so definitely recommend it (laughs) what do you think emily blunt and jamie dornan think of it like i'd love to know what when they were making it what they were thinking the thing about jamie dornan is we know that he can be funny if anybody's seen barb and star he is amazing in that. And he's like just so funny and gets, it's totally in on the joke. So I do think he probably was like, this halfway through it was like, what the hell is going on here? But I'll take the hit and I'll take the money. And he's kind of, it's, it's gone down in like legend. It's lore now. So I kind of think it works to his favour. But Emily Blunt's different because she actually is, she has this career that's quite serious and quite like when you think about it like she could have won an Oscar in a way if she had been nominated for The Devil Wears Prada because I think she's so good in that and she gets she does have great comedy bones I think but I, I think it's a different view of her career because it's way too outlandish so this is a little bit of a uh, misstep for her so I don't think she's would be as happy with it as he could be yeah Oh, listen, I think we're telling everyone to watch it. And I've just really enjoyed this conversation because it hasn't been about um, the pandemic or anything else. I think we should do more of it. So Wild Mountain Time, I rented it on Google Play. I think that's where you can get it. Is it, Jen? Is there anywhere else that people can see it? Um, it For the moment, no, but also it's going to cost you a pretty penny, as us Irish people always say. (laughs) Um, So (laughs) I think it's about 17 or 18 euro. But look, at the end of the day, worth it. Worth every penny, I'm telling you. I'm going to go and see it in the cinema. I think that's the full... The full experience yeah. I'm looking for, you know, and that soundtrack coming through the same vo- fiddles playing constantly over the toast. <laughs> Roshin, you have to go, you have to go dressed as a bee. Yeah. And those who know will know. And then at the end, everyone will be like, ah. oh, yeah, maybe it'll become like the Rocky Horror Picture Show where people will like do different <laughs> points of the movie. Anyway, thanks so yeah. much for coming and talking to us about it. And yes, highly recommend. I think it's a five stars from the women's podcast, actually, overall. I think we're giving it loads of stars and loads of pots of honey and potatoes. <laughs> all, the, all of yeah. this. <laughs> all right, thanks so much. <laughs> that was Jen Gannon and Erin McCarthy. And the film is Wild Mountain Time. And I actually can't believe it, but I do recommend you watch it if you haven't already. That's it for now. The podcast is produced by me, Roisin Ingle, by Suzanne Brennan and Jennifer Ryan with JJ Vernon on sound. Mind yourselves, enjoy the shops if you're venturing out there and I will talk to you next time. Hold up, what was that? 
Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 